Matt, my name's Dean. I'm part of the team here, and it's great to have you here. Uh, great to have you with us. We are in a series right now uh, called Own the Mission. And the whole idea of this uh, series is as we've been coming out of uh, Easter Sunday, Easter's the weekend, we celebrate and kind of focus in on uh, what Jesus has done on the cross, uh, rising from the dead, and uh, the resurrection. We celebrate that as a church. It's such a huge moment in our year. And then what Jesus says to his followers, and so it's kind of our natural flow out of uh, the Easter celebration, is Jesus reminds us that this news is so good of what he has done, uh, that his last kind of words to his followers before he ascended into heaven were, now go out into all the world, be my witnesses to the very ends of the earth. Go, make disciples of all nations. He's saying, go take this good news of all I've done and just spread it everywhere. And so, uh, you know, whenever you hear someone's kind of final parting words, you know how critically important these are. And so we as followers of Jesus and people who want to live our lives uh, in the light of the resurrection uh, are called to now take on ownership of that mission. It passes generation to generation, person to person, and we are called to own that mission. So that's what we're looking at uh, over these few weeks as we flow out of uh, Easter weekend a couple weeks back. Now, I have been, uh, our family, uh, you know, a lot's changing, isn't it, in our city here in Perth? It's changing at the moment. Uh, one of the uh, exciting uh, things as well, some people are starting to experience it, getting back on, uh, everybody remember airplanes? Remember airplanes? Yeah, those things are going again. Uh, they're bringing them out of the kind of the, the dustbins and using them. And uh, in our family, we're getting excited because in about three and a half weeks, we are heading back to see our families uh, back in the U.S. Uh, so we're pretty excited about that. We're going over uh, in May. We're leaving here May 18th. We're going to be gone. We're actually stopping in, in London for a gathering with uh, the Holy Trinity, Nikki Gumbel, and the Alpha Crew. And then from there, over to see our family. So we're going to be gone from here for a little while. Uh, we'll miss you. And I know, don't need to say it, I know you'll miss me. And, uh, and possibly maybe Lisa and Asher and Levi a little bit more, but that's okay. Nobody's counting. Uh, but it's been fun. One of the things we've been doing in planning our travel on this trip is something I've not done for a while, which is book a rental car. Uh, who's ever booked a rental car? Who's ever had a rental car? You've had a rental car, you've gone somewhere, you rent the car, you drive around in it. Now, I, I, I was thinking about uh, this rental car. Now, who has ever had a rental car, and before you returned it, uh, you thought to yourself, I'm going to wash this thing down for the next person. Uh, who's ever had a rental car, and you thought, you know, I just want to give it a good detail before I take it back. You know, I mean, this is a great car, and I don't want to turn it, I don't want to give it back without having detailed it. You know, who's ever spent a Saturday afternoon with a rental car uh, going, you know what I'd really like to just do is just wax this thing down. Like, I want it to shine for whoever has it next. Like, this, this little, you know, Camry's been so good to me. I want to make sure it's beautiful. And anybody ever done that? Raise your hands. Uh, nobody up in Marowa, or you're lying. Uh, no, we got one. We got one. You wax the car down a rental car. I won't take time to translate that off for you at Merrill, but here is, uh, here's the thing that I want you to grab for a moment. This is the difference between when you own a car, probably a lot of people who own a car have spent some time cleaning that car, uh, detailing it, or maybe spending some time, even on a Saturday afternoon, waxing it down to keep it in good shape. When we own things, we tend to treat them differently than when we rent things. Agreed? 
When we own something, it, it takes a different space in our lives. It takes a little bit of a different value in our lives. And it gets a little bit of a different uh, expression of our energy, of our, our dollars, of our uh, efforts. Like we will put, put much more into the things that we own. And why I wanted to mention that is because what we're going to look at today, when we talk about owning the mission to be Jesus' witness in this world, all of us will interact and engage with that mission one of those two ways. We will either see it as something that from time to time I engage with, or this mission, this sharing this message of who Jesus is, is actually this is something I own. It's a part of my life. And if, if we own it, then we will experience it much differently. I want to read you some verses from uh, Colossians uh, where the, uh, Paul, who wrote these words, he wrote them to a, a church not unlike ours, and he, uh, and he told them these words in Colossians chapter 4. He says, here's what I want you to do. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too. This is for Paul and his team. That God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. He was in jail when he wrote this. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Now these words, uh, my encouragement to us today and what I think uh, Paul and these verses are getting at is they are an invitation for each one of us to be the message. Now let me hear you wherever you are, online, up in Merrill, right here. Let me hear you say, be the message. You see, there's a difference between the message, the good news of what Jesus has done, being something that is uh, something we can interact with and come back and forth to from time to time versus going, it is so fully integrated my, into my life that it is a part of everything that I do. You see, when these verses were written uh, in Colossians, they are really an encouragement to followers of Jesus to, to try and instruct us, to try and give us some insight, to try and give us some ideas on how to uh, bring in, in, in the message of Jesus, the good news, everywhere we go. So that we don't just interact once in a while with this good news or think that someone else can take care of it being shared, but actually we become the message in such a way that sharing this good news of what Jesus has done is just fully integrated with every part of our life. That we could kind of be the message. The last verse there talks about, so you'll be able to answer people. This passage assumes our lives will generate questions and conversation around where we've gotten this good news, this hope that, that perhaps others are, are still searching for. Uh, I want you to look at a, a few ways. Say, here's my hope for us today. Here's my hope this morning is that every one of us, if you're here, you're a follower of Jesus, you could walk out of here and feel a little bit more like, you know what, this week, I actually get a little bit more what it looks like to own the message, to own the mission. I actually feel a little bit more like I know how I could go into my daily life, my workplace, my school, my family, and actually bring uh, this part of my life, not kind of just, you know, bringing it a little bit here or there, but actually it comes with me everywhere I go. I hope that that's what you walk away with today. If you're someone who's here and you're not a person of faith or follower of Jesus, I hope you'll see a little bit of the beauty of what we believe, uh, this good news that's been shared uh, with us. 
the first thing, if you want to be the kind of person uh, who does kind of own the mission, who doesn't sort of feel like this is for other people, uh, but this is something every follower of Jesus is called to, it starts with prayer. Wherever you are, let me hear you say prayer. Now, you might be thinking, okay, of course, it always starts with prayer. That's exactly right. Uh, Carrying out the life Jesus wants for us always starts with prayer. But notice how uh, Paul says, here's what to pray about. He says, I want you to always start with this. Pray, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Uh, And pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message. We could proclaim it. Proclaim, proclaim, uh, pray that we'd proclaim it clearly. Now, the thing about prayer is you see right here, he is going to give uh, followers of Jesus this encouragement, but it's a very specific encouragement into what we pray for. Can I tell you this? What we pray for in terms of what we are asking God for, this is speaking specifically of the kind of prayers where we ask God for things. There's different kinds of prayers. There's prayers that are just to uh, give thanks as he talks about here. But when we think about what do you pray and ask God for? will reveal much about what you prioritize in your life. And Paul says, here's what I want you to devote yourself to praying for. I want you to be watchful and thankful. Watchful means like kind of be aware of what's going on. He's he's saying we've been given this mission to share the good news. Be watchful. Be alert. It's the same kind of word here that Jesus gave to his disciples in the garden. It's like, don't get lulled to sleep by the world, but be aware of of what we are supposed to be on about. And we're supposed to be on about the sharing the good news, the gospel of Jesus. So be watchful. Be praying for these things. Be thankful. We don't pray for God's work to go forward from a place of fear or, oh no, or, or geez, the world's getting so bad. We're never going to be able to, you know, carry out what Jesus wants. We are thankful. We are trusting. And from that place, we pray He says, devote yourselves to that kind of prayer and praying for, Paul says, for us too, him and his team who are out there uh, proclaiming very clearly the gospel. Pray for us. Can I ask you, in your prayer life, do you regularly find yourself praying that the gospel, the good news of Jesus, would be proclaimed in this world? And I don't say that to say like, hey, if you're not praying for that, you're a, a bad follower of Jesus. I just say, What we pray for, what jumps to our mind when we pray, says so much about the priority in the direction of our lives. And Paul says, oh, pray for us. Do you know, I I hope you pray for me as a a pastor. You're part of the, the tribe at True North. I hope you pray for me. I hope you pray that I would proclaim the gospel clearly. I hope you pray that for our team. I hope you, I hope we pray that for people you know who are in different places and spheres that they're called to proclaim the gospel. Because if we are praying those things, it's part of being people. We're just going, my life is about seeing this good news keep going out into all the world. And the more you pray for it, the more invested you feel into it. And the more you realize, like, this is what we're on about. You know, one of my prayers that is my, uh, just a frequent one I find uh, when I'm praying for uh, my son Levi just before he'll go to school or get out of the car, one of the things I always pray for him is that he'll shine the light of Christ wherever he is. There's so many things we could pray for our kids, and I know sometimes we'd be tempted to be like, Lord, I pray you'd help them get good grades, or I hope you pray, Lord, you'd help them to have good friends, or Lord, I pray that actually he could be good at basketball and someday get a million-dollar contract. Lord, please, Jesus, you know, like, so many things we could pray for. 
But my, my always just constant prayer for him, for myself, is like, may he just shine that light of Christ. Because more than anything, I hope, uh, and, and sometimes what you pray for your kids often reveals a lot about your mindset and what you're thinking about. And I want to be a person who's always praying that this good news will keep going out into all the world. That those of us who've experienced it, that we would want to just keep sharing it. Can I encourage you, if you want to own the mission, it starts with prayer. Turn to the person and say, uh, starts with prayer. The person next to you, tell them, starts with prayer. Tell somebody, if you're watching, you're, you're on your own somewhere, tell yourself, starts with prayer. That recalibrates our heart. Helps us see what we really value and what we really prioritize. Now, the second piece here, he brings together a few pieces, our prayers. And then, uh, I love what he says in, in verse... Uh, I don't have my verses there, but where he says, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. He's saying all of us uh, are going to always be surrounded by people who do not uh, share our faith, our beliefs. We're always going to be surrounded by in our workplaces, our families, our communities, our streets, our neighborhoods, our, our everywheres, uh, our, the shops, the marketplace, all these things. We will be surrounded by people who do not share our beliefs or faith, but for whom we hope, we've been praying that they will actually come to understand the same good news that we've experienced, the grace of God. Uh, and so he says these important words, be wise in the way you act toward those who do not share your faith and beliefs. You see, it starts with prayer, but being the message is carried forward in our actions. Let me hear you say actions. Our actions and how we treat people and how we go about our lives are going to have a huge effect on how people experience the good news of what Jesus has done for us. So he says, be wise, be smart. Be wise in how you act. You know, over the last few years, I, I think you could feel the same as me and joining people everywhere and feeling bad for everyone who's had the name Karen, right? Can we all just agree on that? We're sorry, Karen, uh, all Karens. Uh, but uh, there's been this thing that's happened where now the name Karen is associated with a particular style of behavior all the way to the point, because of how particular actions have happened, apparently were people at one point named Karen. Again, I love Karens, and all, all Karen, I love people because I love Jesus. Okay, so I'm not, I, I heard someone else called a Darren. It's now, I don't know if that's the way to do it for a guy who's acting a certain way as Darren. I don't know what it is, but here's my point. How we act ultimately builds a, uh, I'm going to say it this way for a moment, it builds a brand for people. And in that sense of when people begin to see and hear this kind of person, so people developed over the last few years for whatever reason, this brand, Karen, that we can all say Karen, and everybody sort of like knows what they're sort of referring to. Uh, but the, the point is this, our actions will end up building an, a consistent response to what people think when they hear about someone who is a Christian or a Christ follower or a Jesus person. And so every one of us has to, own the fact that once we choose to say, I'm a follower of Jesus, our lives become part of the uh, building up of a, a common sort of, you know, body of action that people look at and say, here's what that looks like to follow Jesus. It tends to produce this kind of person. There used to be a bumper sticker that was around when I was... Uh, 
a kid growing up over, over in the States, and it would say, I'm, Christians aren't perfect, just forgiven. Has anyone ever heard that phrase? Anyone ever heard that phrase? Um, it's not in the Bible, I'll tell you that. But that, that there's a certain truth element to it, which is the idea that we are not perfect. We are forgiven, but we are not just forgiven. We are more than forgiven. The scriptures tell us we are not just forgiven. We are forgiven, but more than that, we are in the process of now being transformed in ever-increasing likeness to the image of Christ. That's what the scriptures say. We have been given God's, if we are a follower of Jesus, we've been empowered by the Holy Spirit to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. That's what the scriptures say. If we've been become followers of Christ, we have been given the Holy Spirit, and the fruit of the Spirit in our lives will not be, hey, I'm no different than anyone else. No, the fruit of the Spirit will be love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. This is what we are called to become. And why do I say all that? I say all that, say, because our actions, all oh, we have to realize. Now, the point is not to now focus on your actions and see how nice can I be, how gentle can I be, how patient can I be. The point is we are called to be people who get to know Christ at such a depth of level. We are called to be people who become more and more focused on uh, being filled with the Holy Spirit so that the fruit of the Spirit will happen in our lives. We abide in Christ so that fruit will come. We do these things because our lives are going to, we have to be wise in how we're acting towards people. And so when we act as though we're not supposed to be any different, it leaves people going, if that's what it's about, then I'm not sure I'm interested. Whereas what this picture is having an answer as well for people of questions is that followers of Jesus will be transformed in such a way that people find themselves wanting to ask and say, what's different about you? Hey, I noticed that we all just went through, you know, imagine people were constantly going, hey, I noticed that the whole world's just gone through this pandemic. It's created a lot of fear and anxiety and worry. And can I ask you, why were you never fearful or anxious or worried? Why did you have peace, peace and, and seemingly endless patience with people through that? Being able to say, you know what, I, you know, I, it, it's been a bit crazy for me too and created challenges in lives, but being able to say to people, but you know what, I've just got this hope that I know this life isn't all there is. It actually, uh, I believe there's a God who loves me and whatever happens here, none of us are guaranteed tomorrow, but I actually have something I am guaranteed and that's an eternal hope and faith in Christ. I'd love, if you want to know more about it, I can tell you about it. I can, you know, that's the kind of lives we're called to live. And so we got to be wise in how we act. Because people are constantly looking and going, uh, there's a common phrase, this one's maybe almost a more helpful one, I don't know if it's ever on a bumper sticker, but that idea that you may be the only uh, Bible that a person ever reads. Our lives will be, uh, that may be the only Bible someone ever reads. They may never read this, but they'll see your life, and, and our lives is such a quality that people want to ask and find out more. Say, where'd that come from? I'd like a bit of that in my life. Does that make sense? So we've got to be wise in our actions. We've got to actually, uh, you know, not, not give ourselves too much permission to not take seriously that call to be transformed. Uh, you know, I, I want to mention, then he says this. This is a hinge, a little hinge verse here that we got to get, and then we're going to finish with the last thing. So if we want to be people who can be the message that's integrated with lives, it starts with prayer, it's seen in our actions. Now here's like a little how to go about this. I love this phrase. Just catch this phrase for a moment. Uh, Paul says, make the most of every opportunity. Let me hear you say, make the most. Make the most. 
If you want to be a person who owns the myth, who owns the mission, we actually have to be people who make the most of every opportunity. Now, to make the most of every opportunity assumes this. It assumes Paul, as he's writing, this is like he just saw every time you get a chance to talk to someone who doesn't know faith, or every time you get a chance to demonstrate the good news of Jesus or his love and his personal life, he's like, that's an opportunity. That is something of great value. Every time you meet someone who doesn't know Christ, every time you are around, and, and, and again, when does this happen? It happens every day, all the time. In your work, your family, like, there is, we are never not uh, in and amongst those, as, as this verse says, the outsiders are those who don't know Christ. So he says, make the most of every opportunity. Uh, you know, I I would, wouldn't it be amazing if all of us every day were waking up thinking, today is an opportunity. To, to make the most of this time I've been given, to try and share in some way as I pray, through my actions, as we'll see in a few moments in our conversation, I want to make the most of this day. Uh, we've been watching, has anybody watched Lego Masters? We got any Lego Masters fans? I, I don't know if we have any. Do we have any uh, Master Chef fans? Do we have any Master Chef fans? All right, we'll run right through it. Do we have any home renovation fans? Do we have anybody who likes those shows? Okay, our church apparently here is mostly around the home renovation shows. I've been enjoying Lego Masters because the only house I'll ever build will be made out of Lego. But uh, the thing that you'll find on almost any reality competition show is you'll be given a time limit, right? Whatever the thing is. So on Lego Masters, often they'll be like, you got 10 hours to build. Uh, you might have a home renovation show, you got two weeks. You might have a, a Master Chef, you got two or three hours. I'm not sure, I don't watch Master Chef. But have you ever noticed how at the very last let's just call it the last 10 minutes, uh, the, the entire tenor of how people act changes, right? Everything, they've been like, you had two weeks to work on this, and now it's like, all right, in the last 10 minutes, I gotta get everything done. And you kind of watch, and you're like, you know what, if the entire two weeks you were doing it at this speed and with this efficiency and at this kind of focus, like, you could have done all of this in like an hour. Like, it's always, anybody ever experienced that? At the end, all the intensity ratchets up, right? Why? Because all of a sudden people realize that the opportunity, all of a sudden people realize that the time available has become scarce. At the beginning of a 10-hour clock, you think I got all the time in the world. And so you move at one pace. As you get to the end, it comes into clear focus. Wait a second, this is a limited commodity. Can I tell you when he talks about make the most of every opportunity, you and I are called to be people who actually realize that the greatest, uh, most pressing need in the world today is for people to know the good news of who of who God is, of what he's done in Christ, of the love that can be found in him. To own the mission is to believe that. And that causes us to live ideally with a different mindset, which is not, I'll make my way through life and kind of lull through and that's good and if something happens, but to be people who live making the most of every opportunity. Live our lives with purpose, focus, and clarity as we are going about our daily life, as we are in our workplaces, as we are in our families, our schools, as we are in the shops, as we are in the sports clubs, we are making the most of each opportunity. Turn to the person next to you again and say, make the most of it. Make the most of it. And then this final piece, and this is a huge one, of how we can be the message. It starts in our prayers, we see it in our actions, and then the last piece here. I love this verse. It's a verse to memorize. It's a verse to, to be reminded of. He says, let your conversation be always full of grace and seasoned with salt. So you may know how to answer everyone. Our, if we are going to be people who own the mission, uh, we must own the reality 
that that mission and the proclamation and declaration, yes, there are people like Paul, he says pray for them because they got a specific kind of focus and call. But every person is called to share uh, the good news through our speech and our conversation. We cannot outsource the good news to someone else. You cannot outsource. I might say, I appreciate your prayers. I want your prayers, those kinds of things. But you cannot say, hey, I'll just pray for Dean or for Riley or for Pastor Michelle or whoever it is. Can't just say, I'll pray for them because they're the ones who are going to proclaim it. No, owning the mission means every believer saying, my conversation is meant to be part of sharing this good news. And I love this one because conversation it, this is daily. This is make the most of every opportunity. This is uh, simple and clear and person to person. And he tells us, and here's what your conversation should look like. It should be full of grace. Let me hear you say full of grace. And it should be seasoned with salt. Let me hear you say seasoned with salt. If every follower of Jesus, if each one of us took it upon ourselves to say, I will be a person who makes this verse true in my life, uh, we would change the world together. Because how many conversations imagine will be had uh, through our, just the people in this room or just the people in, in the auditorium mirror, or just a few of you watching online or whatever that, that is. Actually, no one's watching online right now. So that, that, that was just, there's zero there. It's just us, okay? But imagine the amount of conversations you will have this week. And imagine if all of our conversations became full of grace and seasoned with salt. Now, I want to talk about full of grace just for a moment. Do you know one of the great, uh, when we talk about kind of how our, our actions and, and things are seen in the world, this will reflect on what people believe about Jesus. Our conversations are supposed to be always full of grace. Now, for whatever reason, sometimes, and I think this full of grace, season of salt, let me say this up front. These two things are so important because they keep us from falling into two traps. The full of grace Instruction keeps us from becoming uh, people who in our passion to share the good news of Jesus, our passion to see people come to know this good news, it can be possible to kind of get over the top on people or wanting to just constantly, you know, kind of, this is the phrase Bible basher comes from kind of having the, if we end up too far down one side of the spectrum, which is like we just want people to get so bad, we'll grab our Bible and we'll just bash them with it. Now there's a lot less Bible bashing that happens nowadays and that's because a lot of people's Bible's on their phone and they don't want to hit the, break their phone. That was, sorry, that was a lame joke but that's all right. Um, but that's, that's one side we can fall off being overly harsh. So being full of grace is a reminder. Be full of grace towards people because God was full of grace towards you. God was full of grace towards me. I have, uh, my sharing of this message is nothing about what I think is good about me and everything about what is good about God in Christ and what he's done for me. And so I want to be full of grace. I want to be for people. I want to be looking for the best in people. We want to find a place where we meet with people like Jesus was, he met with people who were nothing like him, but they liked him. They, because he was able to meet, he was always, every person knew Jesus was for them. Whether they ended up believing, buying in, people knew Jesus was for them. And they should know through our gracious conversation that we are for them, full of grace. But then there's another 
side, if Bible bashing is one side, the other side is where it's like, I'm just going to make sure I don't say anything because I don't want to offend anybody. I don't want to be a Bible basher. I don't want to push anyone too far. I don't want to be over the top. Or So what can happen is it's easy as a follower of Christ, especially in a world that's sort of like, hey, make sure you never offend anyone is sort of a, a primary value at times. It can be easy to go, well, I just won't say anything at all because I just, you know, and it's almost like in the effort to never not be full of grace, there's never anything said. And that's another error that we can't fall into. Instead, our conversation should be seasoned with salt. Do you know what salt does? Salt brings out the flavors. Salt takes something that might have been a little bit bland, and it gives it some flavor, and it makes you go, mm, that's, that's, you know, there's something there. Salt seasons things. And so our conversation as followers of Jesus should be seasoned with salt. We should be bringing out the God flavors that are found in the world all around us. We should be helping people. You know what? You don't have to, uh, you know, feel like, oh, I got this pressure. What if I don't explain the gospel right? Do you know what? One of the things in our conversation, we should be trying to have conversations with people that help them start to wrestle with questions and, and things that are all around them. Like, you know, you know. People, we live in a beautiful world. How many people know uh, we live in a beautiful world and a beautiful part of the world? All the beauty that's all around us, that is in conversation. How do we kind of salt our conversations to help people around us see the beauty of the world and wonder, because guess what? Guess where that beauty comes from? From a creator who loves us. You know, we live uh, in a world where some people are afraid to talk about all the advances in science or what we know or how big the universe is. No, no, no. For us, how do we bring out and salt our conversation to help people realize that the more we learn about this extraordinary world we live in, the more you cannot help but say, who designed this? And draw those things out. There is so much. God has left his fingerprints everywhere. And salty conversation is about finding the ways we actually draw that out. We live in a, uh, it, it is so easy. I believe that one of the great challenges of our times uh, is just simply as followers of Jesus to have salty conversations with people. And do you know one of the reasons it's such a challenge? Uh, do you know, I'll, I'll say it this week and then we're going to kind of wrap up and we're going to come uh, around the, the communion table in a moment. I'll just throw this out there, and I'm thankful it's probably not going to hold true here. But do you know that uh, I, I, watched, I just looked up the most recent stats on how much uh, television uh, the average Australian watches? And the average, and it's held pretty consistent even for quite a lot of years, the average person watches about three and a half hours of television screen, not including some of the others, a day. Uh, the average person uses about an hour and 45 minutes of social media a day. Now... Here's my point. Uh, are you bad if that's you? It's, I think it's about 90% of Australians fall into that. And about 10% of the, co uh, the country goes to church. So that's probably, this is only for people who don't go to church. I'm sure of that. Anyway, <laughs> this is a joke. But anyway, here's my point. We live in a world where one of the greatest schemes, if, if you will, I believe the enemy of, of people's souls is just to distract people all the way through life and to end up thinking about virtually nothing. How many times have you been somewhere and had a conversation? It was like there was nowhere to go once it kind of finished talking about something on TV or a meme. I, I don't mind memes, okay? They're funny. But we live in a world that because there's often a missing sense of transcendence, that life has purpose, intention, design, a creator. God has direction, purpose for your life. It is so easy to drift through life and live a very unintentional life.
And to end up just watching this, engaging with that, and never have conversations that are actually, have some salt in them, that have some, a sense of that. But, and, and likewise, on the other hand, you ever have some of those conversations with people where you're like, I love getting together with that person because whenever we do, we talk about things that matter. We talk about things that, you know, that, that actually uh, bring kind of strength and and goodness and a sense of meaning and vitality to life. It, we just live in a world that wants to lull us to sleep where nothing has any salt in it. And you just, and, but God says, I want, his word says, here's how I want you to be as my people. Devote yourselves to prayer. Be watchful and thankful. Hey, time's short. Own the mission. He says, I want you to be people who are wise in the way you act. Don't get caught up watching three and a half hours of TV. TV's not bad. I'm not saying that. Please don't walk away with that. But, It'll lull us to sleep and eat up most of our life and we won't be very wise in the way we end up acting. You know, be kind to people. Let your actions be wise in the way we act towards outsiders. And then have these conversations that are, hey, you don't need to beat people over the head with it. Let your conversation be full of grace. Oh, people love being around somebody who's full of grace. But let it also be seasoned with salt. Don't get lulled to sleep where you never... Were you too afraid to say something that's got a little bit of flavor to it? A little bit of, draws something out. And imagine God's people together, all of us owning the mission. It's not outsourced to a person or, or just a few pastors or a church or anything, but every person owning the mission. Every person going, I'm going to be the message. I'm going to be praying. This is going to matter to me. I'm going to be wise in my actions. I'm going to think through how my actions are impacting the name of Jesus. I'm going to be, I won't be perfect. None of us, I, I know I won't. But I'm going to try my best to, to constantly be saying, Lord, help me to act in wise ways. Especially, especially. If I'm going to be rude, let me be rude to Riley. <laughs> Fix that up later. But let me be wise in the way I act toward outsiders. Because i got to make the most of every opportunity. That's what we're called to do. Don't let life pass you by. Don't get sucked into a screen and before you know it, life passed you by. Make the most of every opportunity, every day, every person you're around, every interaction, every person you just bought groceries or petrol from or this extraordinary human being created in the image of God. Make the most of every opportunity. You don't have to stop and hammer them with anything, but see them, talk to them, pray for them, like whatever that Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be full of grace. Let people know you're for them. But let it be also seasoned with salt. And that saltiness, that depth in our conversation can only come if we are living salty lives, if we are living lives of depth, if we are engaging with the presence of God all around us, not just on Sundays, but if we in every sunset are drawn closer to the beauty of the creator who made it. If, if we in, in every time we see an evidence of his design are lifting praise to him, if we, you know, every time we are reminded that actually life has purpose and intention and it turns our our focus to praise and thanksgiving and just wanting to walk with him full of his spirit if we are those kinds of people then it will inevitably work its way out in our conversation and so my encouragement to you today is that we just be those people who keep drawing near to Jesus None of us will get this right. It's not about effort and trying harder, but can we say, Jesus, I want to be so full of you, of your spirit, 
would you empower me to live out this kind of life, this kind of life? I wanna pray for you. In fact, I'm gonna invite you to stand wherever you are. And I just wanna pray for us this morning. And if you're a person who knows, hey, I want to be, uh, I wanna live this kind of life. I really want to have a hunger and a passion for the good news, the gospel going into all the world. I want God's spirit to help me to be wise in the way I act towards outsiders. I want to be teachable by his spirit to know, hey, when I get it wrong so I can seek his forgiveness and seek his direction to make uh, changes in my life. And, and I want to be a person who has conversation that is full of grace and season with soul. Maybe there's something else the Lord's laid on your heart today, but let's just make some time to meet with him and allow him to do his work within us so that we can go and live the lives he wants. You want to be part of this prayer, I invite you just to open your hands, a way of just receiving and being reminded it's all about him, nothing about us. We are people with open hands saying, Jesus, would you come work within me? Lord, I thank you so much that in your grace, you would entrust this good news for whatever reason you've chosen to entrust it to people. You've chosen to entrust it to us, your followers. And I want to pray right now that your Holy Spirit might be released into each one of our lives in a fresh way today. I pray that you would show us how we can live more in alignment with your scriptures that you've given to us. I pray you give us vision to be the message. God, I pray this week you'd open our eyes to ways we can be wise in the way we act. I pray you'd open our, our eyes and give us Give us words. Lord, put words in people's mouth this week that are full of grace and seasoned with salt through the power of your Holy Spirit. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.